Welcome to Pelly Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who deliver you affordable tour performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. Before we get stuck into this episode, if you could do a couple of things for me, that would be absolutely fantastic. So if you enjoy these episodes, please do leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And the second thing, if you head over to www.pettygolf.com, there's loads of clatter up there. There'll be new information up there about the Petty Talks Golf Day coming soon. And I'm working on some merchandise, t-shirts, grab bags, tees, hats, that type of thing. So be sure to join the timesheet at www.pettygolf.com. This week's show is a little bit different. It's actually kind of co-hosted by Niall McLean of the GOI Academy, a good mate of mine and coach, if you've listened to some of these podcasts to date. And we're having a chat with a South of Ireland champion from 2010, a multiple senior cup winner with Port Marlott Golf Club, John Lantern Green. But first, roll it there, Roisin. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you think of that? Welcome to Paddy Talks. On this week's episode, we have a man who has been putting up with me with, um, I suppose, a couple of years. And the first time there's a co-host on the show, and that is Niall McLean. How's it going, Niall? How are you going, Paddy? Glad to be here. Long time listener, first time on the show. Delighted to be here. That's right, no panic at all. And we're sitting down, um, social distancing. Um, John Gleese, or John, John, you're actually on the other side of the bloody country. I am, yeah. Down in West Cork. So John Green on the show, uh, last time I saw John Green, we actually spoke for a couple of minutes. He doesn't remember uh, because he had other concerns. It was after he won the South of Ireland and he went on to win the Senior Cup of Port Marathon the year after. And since then, I think he just went working. But the first question I normally ask everyone that comes on the show, John, is what is your earliest memory of golf? Oh, it's probably as a very small kid. Um, my, uh, I used to live in Wicklow before I moved to Carlo and a friend of mine, Kevin, he was a golfer and I used to go with him and tag along as a five or six year old kind of chasing the golf ball essentially around around Wicklow yeah balling last golf club when was the move to Carlo then oh when I was about maybe seven or eight so very young so um, my dad was in the bank so we like moved from Carlo to Wicklow I was born in Wicklow then moved back to Carlo and then we're there until I moved to Dublin I suppose to college how old were we when we first got a handicap I suppose was it during that move to Carlo or was it in Carlo or oh it's probably like 12, 13 before I started playing properly and then through the junior system in the golf club in Carlo and then on from there I suppose Oh good stuff so how would you compare Carlo to Bottling Glass? Oh, so I was so young I was in Bottling Glass I can't really, really remember but yeah I enjoyed it there I have some friends from still to this day from there but uh, Carlo I suppose where I grew up so that's sort of the, the main location and I'm a very proud Carlo man Between I suppose um, getting a handicap around 11 or 12 and that year in 2010 what was your approach to golf or was there any other competing sports? Oh, I played absolutely everything. So a lot of GA, football hurling, rugby, squash, badminton. You wouldn't know by looking at me, but did a good bit of athletics as well. So played absolutely everything um, and didn't really take golf overly seriously until I was kind of fairly advanced in college. So I, was, uh, like I went to university off like a four or five handicap, but wasn't uh, any young hot shot or anything. So that, that's fair enough, and I suppose that would be a lot of golfers that were going into college. Uh, UCD, and what did you study in UCD? Uh, engineering, civil engineering. So, 
like yourself and I'm an engineer. <laughs> oh, you can call me a, an engineer now. Uh, it was nigh on 12 years ago now. The only thing I've done with the book since is light a fire. So, yeah, <laughs> I haven't done much of that degree. I've uh, got a degree in copy and paste. That's what I got. That makes two of us. <laughs> in fairness, I'd probably talk Carl down in, in reality because as juniors, we had a very good junior program there and we had quite a bit of success in juniors. Like we won the junior foursomes and we lost in Ireland semi-final juice of junior foursomes. And kind of, as a club, they're very good in terms of if you were show potential as a player, brought you into like senior cup and Barton Shield, like you would have gone to caddy and then you would have gone into panels and played. So um, I would have like got a great education there, but just handicap never got hugely low when I was there. It was after that and I started playing golf in college that kind of picked up. And would you put down to, because you played in the south of plus two, was it? In 2010, 2011, you're off about plus uh, two. Plus one, I'd say. Yeah. So what, what, what propelled you as a 19, 20, 21-year-old to stay out at Temple Bar? and actually go after the, the handicap and get better and start playing in the majors. Jeez, uh, it's kind of funny you say that because it's kind of the reality of what happened. Uh, I went to college the first year and went to complete piss like everyone does, but if you put a, a group of uh, uh, very good mates in one place together and let them off the leash of family life at home, uh, she went in the piss for nine, ten months and it kind of got to got through the first three exams and I pulled the handbrake up and kind of said to the guys and kind of said drinking six nights a week and when I drink one and started playing golf and did a hurling. And anyway, the, the serendipitous thing was that the hurling club kind of went to, went to pot and Carlo at the same time. So golf kind of took over and I went from, I think about five to one in about six weeks. So I just played. Would the, the South wasn't the first major you played in. What, what year would you have started like, entering the, the majors? And Ooh, Probably. I would have gone to the North a few times when I was in college. So I was able to sneak into the North. Um, so I would have been in the North, let's say, three or four times. Uh, I played it for the first time in 09. And then 10 or 1, obviously. Um, but up to that, like, it's, my handicap was too high. So I, think I, I was in college with... Uh, uh, a very good team in UCD and kind of looking around obviously there was like her, her current Open champion um, Daryl Lernhang who won the Irish Close and was there Brendan Walton who he'd be very okay with an interprovincial player Kieran O'Connor interprovincial player like it was a fairly stacked team like Andy Hogan played interprovincials like the team was fairly ridiculous I was kind of looking at the lads and kind of saying okay they're obviously better than me but they're not like four shots better than me so that's kind of it was the impetus then was I need to get my handicap down because even the lads are saying, like, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you playing? It's like, my handicap's too high. So that was kind of the nature of playing in Carlo. It's a tough course to get, get low in. Oh, good. So I suppose the next question then is, was there any part of your game that you focused on to go from the like, so four or five to the, to the scratch and to the plus one? Or was it just for you, having played so many sports and being of, a, of an athletic nature that, just by playing more, you excel better? Or was there anything in particular you focused on? I had a chance meeting with Eddie Doyle in the Heritage. So we had a university's golf AGM there, and it was part of it. There was a um, basically a lesson with the pro. So the pro was Eddie. So I hadn't seen Eddie in years. Eddie's training Carlo and was the Carlo man. So, well, sorry, he claims leash, but he lives in Carlo. Uh, but I uh, just met Eddie, and he goes, going to jump up and hit a few shots. And he pretty bluntly turned around and said to me he's like Jesus I thought you you were actually going to be good I saw you years ago and like you were good like what the hell is wrong with you it's like fuck sorry to your grip like what are you doing like he was very very blunt and he basically pulled me aside at the end of it he goes 
if you're interested in improving, he says, come down to me. He said, we work on it for the winter. He said, I'll tell you now, if you come down to me, I'll have you down to scratch. I was probably out of about two of that. We drift out maybe two. So I'll have you down to scratch this year. And he was very blunt with me. And it, it was kind of a fairly aggressive system. I couldn't play golf for a few months. I had to work on grip and posture, alignment, hidden shots where I could swing to like waist high, maybe swing back halfway and just worked on bits and pieces and did that with Eddie for probably three, four months and I didn't go to the golf course, I stuck through those and basically everything changed, golf ball flight changed, consistency changed, everything was more repetitive and it just gave me a system where I could put the ball and play better and just it was more in control and went from there. Um, like putting a short game were kind of fairly okay so that was always fine, it was just everything's got a bit better and then that also coincided then with doing a Masters where I basically took my workload for a week, did them on a Monday and Tuesday. So I stay in college, like, so I got turfed out of the library at night, got all my work done. So I do every Monday, Tuesday, and then play golf for the rest of the week. So I was, that was kind of the way things worked. So it was kind of a, a mixture of having more time and then having, like, excellent coaching and direction from Eddie. No, spot on. In terms of coaching, then, like, not a lot of people would be able to take that type of feedback. Between then and now, is there... Do you prefer that approach from a coach being like, look, this X, Y, and Z is wrong. Like if you just change those, you'd be like scratch, scratch golfer. Do you appreciate that approach or how do you see it? I think this is sort of a uh, sort of a generational thing, isn't it? Like uh, I don't think I fall into the snowflake generation. So uh, having played so much sport as a kid, you were told this the way it is. And you either two choices, go home or just take it. And if you actually listen to people that are blunt like that and they're honest with you, they're the people you actually want to be around, not the person who's going to kiss your ass because that's worth nothing. No, definitely. So if I can take you back, I know it's 10 years ago. Um, and I've said it before, it's actually the last South of Ireland I've, I was at when we had Keelan on the show. Um, and that was the final you beat Keelan in. Was there a bit of redemption in, in getting over the hairy man? Keelan beat me the previous year uh, in the like most horrendous conditions. And I felt like I'd basically didn't play was very disappointed with the performance he gave me he beat me on you know 14 or 15 and uh i kind of felt like the autumn one and that was the attitude i took into the final it wasn't like i'm playing the final still burning here like i'm gonna beat your man because he beat me last year and it's redemption time oh absolutely was there an extra bit of um chair in the cake because he was in an official golf kind of program i i'll buy it the early years of it and you weren't, it was kind of, not only am I going to get over him, but like, I'm going to beat the, the golfer in training as well. Being a UCD man, there was a bit of a, of a sort of an edge there with the Manu guys. Um, and like, originally when I started in UCD and I, I was on scholarship there and we broke into scholarship, we, we were at a golfing college and historically have always been in Ireland. Uh, and then Manu kind of rocked up with all their money, essentially, the way we looked at it. I was kind of, everything was handed to them. Now, obviously, Barry has taken what was kind of like the lunatics running the asylum for a little while and has put a great shape on it and like they're they're unquestionably top notch in what they do and they compete with anyone across the globe in terms of what they offer and the, the structure that's in place and that's a testament to Barry and obviously everything in the college that's been put on, put there but mainly Barry from what I see. Uh but yeah it would have been like it would have been the UCD new kind of bit of a grudge there as well that we, we always wanted to get one over on them. No, exactly. It was like when I was in CIT, like when we played UCC in the road, it was um, 
you're playing for more than just a jersey on your back, you know. In that week, and I suppose the reason I'm, I'm harping on about the South of Ireland is, like, as a member of the club, it's always a, it's, it's the week you pencil off for your holidays every year, you know. And I know that a lot of the members still do it, and I still try to do it. What's it like to play in it? Because it's, like, it's a goal of mine. Like, Niall is being blown from me and telling me I have a lot of work to do um, to get to that level. But um, what's it like to play in it? Did, did you have any stigma about, around it, or was it... Was it the major for you to play in? Because after listening to Nal Gori a couple of weeks ago, you know, there's, there's some great, great tournaments around the country to play in. So obviously, like, if, you, if you're going to win one of these things, right, you obviously want to be national champion. So the Irish Loss is the one you want to win if you can pick one. But that's just on a pure superficial level. I my first introduction to La Hinch in, I don't know, probably first, second year in college. We used to have a match UCD played against La Hinch. We used to go down and go on pace and play golf one day with like the older guys, usually the graduates who took care of us and put our scholarship money together. And then on the next week, we played a senior cup match against La Hinge. It was always dinner in the club. It was a bit of fun afterwards with the they said Tommy Neen and uh, Dennis Creedon used to kind of run the team for La Hinge. So you'd have a few lads in Limerick come out to make up the numbers, and then you'd have, let's say, Tech Pack and Ernie and the usual suspects. It was always great fun. And that was the first introduction to Hinch, and I just loved the place. I went down there, I was like, this place is class. Just fantastic golf course, the atmosphere is brilliant, people are so nice. It's like, you kind of come over the hill and you come out of Ennis uh, Diamond and you see the Hinch, like, it's a pretty magic place. But that was the first introduction, I was like, I love this place. And you go in and on the walls, the of Ireland history is there, pictures are all over the place. And I thought about, like, and I went, right, this would have been the dream. And all nine, I went down and it was like, geez, we're playing the South, isn't this fantastic? This is great. Whereas that was the first year playing. I went down in 10, like, I went down to win. And it sounds big headed and sounds completely like uh, I, some people would be all like, man. And they were right, who was I? Nobody. But I thought I could win because I performed over the previous few months and had probably a year of good golf behind me that stage. So um, when I teed it up, I was just determined, just wanted to beat people. And Nervous, no, just wanted to go, but that was at that time. But in terms of teeing it up in the south, like it's slashing it up in the tee box, it's like the most perfect location you've ever been. Uh, lads are around, it's always a bit of fun. Poor, you be there. Uh, Tony come out to give your starter stuff, and off you go. And it's it's always a bit of a buzz. What was the feeling like coming down? I think were you Dormy too, or something against Caden, something like that. You were two or three up, yes. So, what was that feeling yeah. like when you're, when you're like almost over the line but you still have a bit of work to do and you're up against a fella you have a bit of a grudge against and everything he stands for <laughs> I once said I know I like Keelan Keelan's a great guy it was more so the uh, ah you have to make it a bit, a bit personal you have to have some sort of hate there don't you it makes, it makes it work better That's but how uh, does it feel Jesus uh, you just you're, you're you're in the rhythm of what you're doing you're just trying to play golf so like as soon as you start thinking about winning then you're completely in the wrong mindset. You have to get it when it's all this stuff like stay in the moment, all these cliches, but they actually are a cliche for a reason. It's what you need to do. But um I'm actually I hit it right in seventeen just off the edge of the fairway and had a real fluffy line, the ball was up top of the top of the grass. And I turned to my caddy Paul and I was like, I can't ground the club here. So it's only like you know nine hundred or eight hundred or something like that in. It's like I can't ground the club here because that ball's gonna move. So like I was hypersensitive to everything that was going on and that's kinda Kind of, when, when you're playing really well, you're, you're hypersensitive to everything. You see everything, you notice everything, nothing passes you by. Smallest things that like your sensitivity is just heightened. So, just get on the green, got on the green, 
Keelan went through the back and I was like, I think it was two up, two to play. He wasn't getting up and down. And it was just like, I hit a putt to about a foot. And I didn't think he was going to give it to me. And when he gave it to me, it was like, someone was, it was like someone hit the button and it's like, just bang, everything just went kind of crazy. And then like, but until he gave me the putt and balls in my hand, I didn't really realise what I was doing because that's kind of the way you need to be. In terms of tradition, it's like I've grown up with with walking through that hallway, you know, multiple times a week, you know, um, I couldn't name everybody on it, but like you'd be marking out or like, he's an Irish great palm, they gave me part of Carrington, Graham McDowell, and then you get to the hairiest final of all time in 2010, you know, like all the greats have been on it. So even if you take back 10 years, 10 years before me was uh, McDowell, 10 years before that was McGinley, 10 years before that was Mick Burns, 10 years before that was John O'Leary, so... Mick is the, probably the least well-known Irish captain. Mick won everything pretty much. And then there's me in that kind of group of five. was like, Jesus, I'm a complete and absolute underperformer from a letdown. I don't care though. I wouldn't say that, but like when you won it and when you're up on the wall with all the, all the greats of Irish golf, you could say, did it go through your head or, or did, were you thinking more about, you know what, maybe, you know, this could be a thing for me and I'll, like I'll go a step further and try and make the Irish team or did, did that come across you in the mentality sense or? Uh, well, yeah, well, obviously like as soon as you, if you perform well in, the, in a couple of those events, you get brought into Irish panels, then it's, it's a step up. Like, so you're looking at the provincials, national teams, then you're looking at the various national teams. Like there's like uh, European nations, there's the Europeans, uh, home internationals, Eisenhower's, like, there's different things. So yeah, they obviously come onto your radar then, but like, kind of simpler when it's not there when they start happening like it's uh it starts getting a bit different it's, yeah so would you say you were more accustomed or you you maybe enjoyed more team golf for the club to an extent yeah like in Pomernica it's great because you know everyone's working hard to try it was in an environment that's it where there's five lads in senior cup and two or three of them are not really pulling their weight and not saying I don't I don't enjoy that uh, I just find like why am I putting my effort in your way at your time that's kind of what drew me towards golf and away from team sports uh, but in environments where everyone's trying to sweetheart yeah it's fantastic Niall is that where you first came across Greener where the year paths cross in, in time playing the championships and that kind of thing like I, I remember I played in 2010 mind you I got knocked out in the first round but we'll not talk too much about that but uh, yeah playing the championships and, and coming up through golf and senior cup and that kind of thing I think yeah, we've become pretty good friends. The brother is a member. I remember that scene, that famous senior club team and Barton Shield teams in in, uh, in Port Marnock as well, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But yeah, that would be where we, we, we met. Would that be fair to say, Greener? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it's uh, through Shane, essentially, and then playing golf. So yeah. I have one question then, because it comes maybe from the Instagram handle, but Niall has mentioned it a couple of times. Where does the name Lantern come into this whole thing? Ah, oh, that's uh, that's a foxism. So I was, I was out practicing in Pomernick and it was shortly, I'd been a college member there for you know, six or seven years and I played with Nolan James Fox one afternoon and we kind of went down to first and second and they're like, like mm, Goblin, no, Green Goblin, no, that doesn't work, no, that's, that's too nasty. And I was like, Green Lantern, yeah, Lantern. That, yeah, that works. So essentially, that's where it came from. Was this lantern name pre or post uh, your South of Ireland win? 
and probably Were you, did Lantern win the South is what I'm asking I remember there was a belt that Lantern won and I'm just wondering was he wearing that belt when he, when he was winning South of Ireland Championships and Senior Cup and all that kind of thing no no it was it was not I don't think that belt functioned it got binned pretty quickly afterwards I am big into kind of team sports namely GAA football and I think that's a part of golf that I think could be seen more at the professional level you know like the Ryder Cup's massive um, the Olympics, from a golfing sense, I think is getting more popular. But from club to club, I think it it massively differs in, I suppose, the club's mentality towards it or maybe the golfers within its mentality towards it. Like when you mentioned there, not really much fun when there's only two or three of you in it and you're kind of carrying two or three more. So is there that high-performance environment around Port Marnock now? Massively, yeah. So like Port Marnock, like it's, you walk into the club in the middle of winter, and the members are asking it, oh, are you getting ready for Senior Cup? Like, the club is completely invested. It's a, it's, it's a massive thing for Pormarnock. Like, we've won 20 Senior Cups. Another uh, truckload of Barton Shields. I don't know how many Leinsters we've won. It's massive numbers. Like, we are a club that's expected that you win and you, that you're expected to perform a win as a team. And that's just the way it is. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, into Port Marnock, John, how you made the transition between... I know you're a proud Carol man and, and that, but uh, I know as you transitioned into UCD and then into Port Marnock from there, tell us a little bit about how you became a, a PGC man. So uh, I started in UCD and um, through UCD, basically, there's memberships in Port Marnock. So I um, basically was there for... I was in UCD for a while. I was there for six years, so... Uh, with a master's after my degree and essentially uh, did my time there and there's a process whereby you can transfer from your university membership to becoming a full member of the club essentially it's for people who are from like myself from down the country and are moving to Dublin uh, or people who let's say like some guys who are in Dublin clubs and let's say they're living on the north side now and they were down the south side it's kind of designed for guys to have a place to play so I was approached by um, the just shortly before that he was a captain of the golf club and he was also heavily involved in engineering and with UCD golf and he just asked me was I interested in joining or first of all actually am I staying in Dublin or am I moving abroad or what my plan was I said I was staying in Dublin and he kind of asked me was I interested in joining Pormarnock that there would be a way to join and I obviously said yes it's not something you say no to absolutely not like that's actually an issue not an issue but it's something I've come across now like I've moved up the country but it's something I've seen I think with mid 20 year olds to mid 30 year olds who are moving to Dublin and can't find an easy way to join a club so I think maybe now you can touch on this a bit more in terms of the type of membership so I hadn't heard of that type of membership before like a transition membership you could call it where it's like there's a discounted one for six months or nine months for 12 months do you think that would work in getting kind of that demographic of person, ladies and gents, into the game this side of the country and maybe nationally? Absolutely. I think it's something that's that's overlooked a little bit in terms of, I know that clubs have been reluctant to hold college college games and college matches and that kind of thing. But I know that like with Manute going from strength to strength, they're, they're kind of leading the way in the sense that I know that they've... Carton House have now started to sign, similar to the way, John, I, I presume the way you got into Port Marnock was that was where your home matches were and, and that kind of thing. I know that some of the Manute guys uh, have started to look into joining uh, Carton House and that kind of thing. I think, like, it's a, it's such a, you can get lost, especially country guys coming up to play 
uh, in the for their colleges and that kind of thing, it, it can be a difficult thing to hold on to those guys. So I think offering them something in the likes of those great clubs like Port Marnock or Carton or or wherever it might be, even you know anywhere, um, would be really really helpful because I think people get lost in that transition uh, period. Yeah, like for, like for you, John, because um, you were up in UCD and you're going into the into the bank financial services industry. How did that I suppose, access to a club like Port Barnett make it easier for you for transition your life, essentially, to this side of the country? Yeah, like it's, it's hugely important. Like I, I see friends of mine who were like class players, guys played in the provincials and stuff, have moved up here, let's say I might have been in college in Cork or Limerick, and they find it tricky to get golf clubs, which is, it sounds ludicrous, because it is. They should be the place for people to kind of join clubs and some clubs are very good like like Sean Flanagan moved from Sligo to Pormarnock last year but like Sean's working as an accountant he's three or four years left in his accountancy qualifications he's here so like that's very high level like it gives you it gives you sort of a kind of a place to that you can kind of call your home club you can come and play there you make friends out of it it gives you sort of a, a place you can kind of base your life around like so if you want to you join, let's say, the castle, they live in the south side, you can play golf, it's close to work. Don't print. If you join Pomarnik, you might live in the north side, get a dart to work. Like it's, you kind of, it, it's very helpful. And then you meet great people through it. So it helps for work as well in the, in the long run, if you're looking at your career rather than golf. From, a, from an outsider's point of view looking in, you've got to be thinking what's in the water in Pomarnik. The players that are you know, being brought in and produced and, and, and representing the club, got names like kind of Fox and Lenin and Walsh and the guys. Like, what what do you think Port Marnock are doing in order to to produce and keep these guys? Because a lot of them, you know, they wouldn't have parents in the club or whatever. They're they're choosing to, to go and play there. And I don't think it's it's just a case of them, you know, wanting to, you know, play with their mates and you know there's there's a there's a draw to it what, what, what's your take on that well, it's the best golf course in the country there's an automatic draw in terms of in terms of those that group of players that, that were that we're talking about um i know like i was having a, i had a look up about uh, your your senior folks and your barton shields and that kind of thing and even just not including how competitive you guys are you know year on year you've got five Senior cups in four Barton Shields in relatively recent history. Like, what do you what do you think is has been, you know, the creating that success for you? Um, like, how, how do you guys go about it? Do you guys play and practice together? Spend a lot of time together? At times, it's it's very much at times. Like, let's say, so originally, let's say that that four. So James obviously has been in the club for years. Jeff the same. So myself and Steve. So Stephen Walsher kind of two outliers that groups but to give you a kind of indication of how we end up kind of involved heavily involved with the club um, myself and Steve were in UCD together we were still Steve was a decent player I was terrible we basically were we worked our asses off there was a group of us there was Steve myself Dan Holland who has obviously been to I think two semi-finals and a final of a championship um, Jamie Rothwell is a friend of ours who got to I think quarter-final of the South and then there's like Colin Kenny who's a scratch golfer uh, Jerry Kelly was a very good player, but uh, Sean Ryan was new city. Like there's a good group of players that came through college together, and we kind of all made ourselves improve. Like we cut through money games on a Wednesday, Thursday, and it was always in Port Marnock. And we very rarely we, we were members in Royal Dublin and Port Marnock. Always tried to Port Marnock to play because first of all it was quieter, you got a game easier, 
and it's just such a class place. Like the practice facilities are incredible. The course itself, there's three nines. You're not you're not going to go out there and get turned away. You're getting a game no matter what time of day you arrive. So that kind of brought us there. And then the way it worked out, myself and Steve ended up joining. Uh, and like like it's just it's just a great place. So uh, then in terms of myself, Steve, James Fox, Jeff Lennon, there was a group of us who had been playing full time golf for a period of time. So we would have spent a lot of time around. And then following that, then there's the older timers, let's call them. So let's say Mal Fox would have been around a bit, Dave Kelleher, Michael Brett, uh, Niall Goulding, Colin Cassidy. And they, these guys are massively experienced interprovincials, national, national cap championship winners, uh, who they kind of passed on the tradition to us. And the tradition has passed them from Adrian Morrow, Mick Morris, Dermot Snow, Roddy Conway. All these guys, it passes down group to group, and it's you work hard, take your game seriously, you practice, and you turn up and play, and you win. One thing, one thing I've noticed uh, just in recent times is that there's a, there's a couple of young lads coming through on Port Marnock, you know, younger than, than your generation of, of greats. Yeah, names that come to mind would be quite guys like uh, James Temple, who I've played with a couple of times just by chance. He's a really good young talent. And Brandon St. John as well, who, who has come through the academy uh, with ourselves on the Leinster Development Squad. Um, is that something that, that Port Marnock are, 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 are improving at the moment? Is it something that they're, oh. they're, they're... Are they putting time and effort into their junior section? or Majorly. So, um, like, every Saturday there's a junior clinic on, so... It originally started with uh, Kyle Cannon, um, Rory Sweeney, uh, and Joey Purcell. And Joey was there kind of coordinating it. Um, so that was kind of the original group that did it. And now it's moved on to Colin Starrett, uh, mainly running it. With um, And it's I heard it's a huge focus. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have split the group. So there's WhatsApp groups arranged for parents and kids. They're split into ability levels. It's it's not just the best kids getting taken together. And probably the first time in history, Pormarnock have been very competitive the last few years in Fred Daly and have the makings of a very strong team again this year. And it doesn't happen by fluke. It's all organised, hard work. There's a very diligent group of player, or people involved. So Jeff's involved, Eamon Freeney's yeah. involved. There's a, kind of a group of uh, Niall Goulding. So you look at people and know what they're doing in the organisation of it. And it's just supporting the kids. Like it's like everyone's taken care of they're very welcome to the club and that's that's a very good starting point to go from one thing that i heard through the grapevines just that that port marnock were running this junior system where they were playing the senior cup in barton shield your guys you know the likes of jeff lenehan and, and and james fox and 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 you know stephen Walsh and those guys were playing mixing them with the the juniors maybe the fred daly team or whatever the junior forces that kind of thing and and I, I just found that really interesting because I'm doing a lot of work myself with the with the Carton interclub teams, and it's just something that I was delighted to hear because it's it's not something that everybody would know about Port Marnock in terms of looking after the juniors. You would think about the the age group being a little bit older, and just hearing about that kind of uh, ethos towards juniors being implemented is great. Is that something, especially in terms of that that um, senior cup team playing with the juniors? Is that something that you've come across there? Absolutely. I, since my like since I started with the senior cup panel, like we won senior cup in twenty eleven in September, and I think it was about maybe three weeks later, pretty much the whole panel pitched up to play with the juniors, and we had a kind of a, a senior player, a junior, two juniors, and one of the parents, and we had it's kind of a 
a knock on a Sunday morning and it was it was great fun and that's just the way it is and it's kind of that that's what we do it's the kids are very much welcome to be involved because someday we hope that they're going to come and take up the mantle and be the junior cup and senior cup players and like if you don't invest in your juniors you're basically cutting off the foundation of your club because they're the next part that's where your club's coming from so yeah there's big emphasis and like even this year um Sav and Sean Flanagan played with um, Mike Fitzgibbon and with, uh, with uh, Brandon in the foursomes this year. And I think um, so Shane, Jeff, James played with a good couple of juniors. And it's to get these guys in, get them involved. And it's it, it, you get what you deserve. If you, if you put the work in, you'll get out of it what you deserve. And the club, they're very much... It, it, historically, I, I know there's a couple of issues that are stopping from Marna kind of being where they possibly could be. Uh, which we don't really need to mention because they're well aired. But Pormarnock has kind of always been the, the the club that promoted golf in Ireland. We are a golfing golf club. We, you don't go on the pace in the bar. You play your golf, you have breakfast or you have lunch, depending on you play. You spend time with the fellow members and then you leave. But we've always been we've been the home of Irish golf. Like resurrected Irish Amateur Open, resurrected Irish Open. That's where the club is. It always has been. Mm. And if we're not investing in our juniors, like we're hypocrites and that's certainly like not something that we're going to do. So yeah, it's hugely important and it's a huge emphasis of the club and it's coming from the captain all the way down to the juniors. Everyone's invested and involved. It's great. It's great to hear. And it's great to, you know, kind of knock the common thought that maybe Fort Marnock had a, you know, a a certain way about it. And it's great to hear that kind of thing about it. Just going back to your, the group of players and um, playing senior cups and Barton Shields and being really successful. You've also become very, very close as a group of mates. You must have some a, a favorite memory or, or a story or something that you, you really, really look back on fondly. Um, you probably got to filter this a little bit for us, but uh, maybe just have a, is there anything that sticks out in your mind that, 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 because like I said, you guys are all mates now. It's not just a case of senior cup partners and Barton Shield partners, but, Duran, that sticks out in your mind and all, I'm putting you on the spot for He's Yeah, you really are putting me on the spot. Um, like, <laughs> what do you think is, is your best memory? What like Would you say, like say for example, would you put, would you say that you're, you're winning this out versus maybe winning senior for Barton Shield with the team? What do you think was a better buzz for you at the time? Like, do you get more buzz out of representing your club or winning the South or what was that? Where you was can't compare them. Like, uh, they're totally different things. Like, like you win the South, it's like you're there with it's my mum is inside me. Like, it's like it's a hugely emotional thing for family because my dad passed away a few years back, a few years before the South. Yes. So that was like a hugely emotional thing for me, and my mum. Whereas like senior cup is with your mates. Like it's it's totally different. It's like it's gonna ask you like. I'd ask the parent, which is your favorite child? Like, you can't answer that. <laughs> yeah. Well, which is your favorite child, John? No, I'm only joking. We should ask Paddy that now that he has two kids. But um, another thing that, that uh, I don't think we can let go by without, without talking about a little bit is, is, uh, is Connor Purcell turning pro. So, like, and I think a really, really bright future ahead of him as well. I think what a, what a, what a talent, what a player. Kind of unfortunate with his timing. I'm sure he's missing out on on some on some pro events at the moment like the rest of the planet but uh what do you have you played much with connor and what have you seen of him and 
I, I use as optimistic about about pro golf. What what are your views on on on? Uh... Yeah, Connor, he's a he's a he's a top class prospect, but he's he's also just he's top kid. Like he's really really good guy, uh, really really good head in the shoulders. He's very um, determined, confident in the right way. But his golf game stacks up. Like I, my first real sort of interaction with Connor was about probably four or five years ago. I played Barton Shield. And I was his partner for the weekend. And it was kind of the Dave Keller was like, great, Greener, you're kind of the senior partner. You're going to take care of him. And I realized very quickly, I just walked in the middle of every fairway. And just his ball would just appear in the middle of every fairway. And I walked away that weekend on. This guy is so good. And it's only gotten better from then on. Like, geez, like, we, <laughs> if you spend nine holes on Wednesday evening, uh, mostly in the summer a couple of years back, like, you couldn't play a Wednesday evening without him having at least four or five birdies. Just at his leisure, just knocking birdies in. Uh, and he just, he just, he's just so good. Like he's hits it a seriously long way. He's a fantastic iron player. Like his ball flight is very, very solid. Very little movement in it. Doesn't seem to think too much about it. He just stands up, hits it, moves on confidently. Great short game. And his putting is, is is very solid. And I think he's going to be one of these really streaky putters when he's when he's on. Numbers could go could go crazy. He's shot some very very low numbers and he's performed well in very big stages. So, in terms of his his amateur career, very very good. He obviously got his Minotaur card straight off the bat. A couple of good couple of good finishes. Then the shutters get pulled down with COVID, but. I don't think it's really going to bother him. <laughs> Whenever it opens back up again, he's going to be very good. Uh, absolutely. I, I watched him a little bit in the World Amateur Team Championships in, in Carton House. And I remember thinking, like, he's he's so consistent, but makes loads of birdies and has a great attitude. And you really can't, you really can't ask for more than that. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Bright future ahead for that guy. And it's great to see, it's great to see that, that kind of player come out of it because I think, other than Connor, I think... The rest of that 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 group of guys have been happy to play on the amateur scene, you know. But whereas he's pushing that the uh, professional professional boundaries, which is uh, which is great to see. Just one other thing I wanted to ask you about there was the um, the amateur holding the amateur at at Port Marnock. Uh, it's it's my favorite golf course. I'm lucky enough to play it quite regularly. And um, but just as a as a member of the club and a, and a, and a, a top player as you are, I'm just wondering the preparation that they did for the for the golf course. I'm just wondering. What did you notice or think of the changes, or did they have much to do to it in order to prepare for that amateur? Did you play it much over the time, or, or was it was it ready? Was it what did it just need to to hold it? It was ready all the time. Or what do you make of that? We have a like a top world class greenkeeper in Gary Johnson who has a great crew work, working with him. Um, Bar we went on mats for about three weeks, I think, before the tournament, just to stop dividing the the landing areas, and that was about it. Like if, like I'd say at the moment, right? If you're going to get in the golf course, it's in unbelievable condition. If you give Gary a month's notice, he'll ramp it up for a European Tour event. There, just a drop of a hat. The course is that good all the time. Did he do a great job? Unbelievable job. Like the place, but it's it's years of an unbelievable job. So at this point in time, the course is excellent. Conditioning is excellent. If Gary decides to click the switch and get it ready, there's not much getting ready to be done because he always has in top nick. But for the amateur, like it was, it was firm, it was fast. Greens were great. Uh, rough was up nicely without being absolute carnage. 
it was it was quality. That's the big thing was was to try and strike a balance between showing it off to the point that it, it's a challenging, difficult golf course, but it, it's enjoyable. It's it, it, I, uh, Paddy will will hold this against me, but I think it's it's the best golf course in the country. Um, and what did you make out of? Uh, I'm going to move on swiftly here before Paddy cuts cuts me off in a, with a hinge comment. Uh, what did you think about the cherry on top? Our our, our James Sugru winning. I think what a, what a momentous occasion for for Irish golf. Uh, did you? What did you make of that yourself? And and, and I'm sure everybody in Portmarnock was delighted to see an Irishman win it. Oh, it was it was fantastic for a club like. Could you pick a better year? Have the the Open in Port Rush and the Amber in Port Marna. Can we get Lowry winning one and Sugru winning the other? Like what a fantastic year for Ireland! And it was fairy tale right, stuff. Yeah. Like it was sort of if the RNA <laughs> were a beer, it'd certainly be Carlsberg. Honestly, James was it was a fantastic week. He was yeah, he was very much on point. His game was sharp. Uh, his performance in the final was very reassuring. I hadn't seen him yeah. from but class. He was, he was pure last. Yeah, absolutely. He seemed to be so calm and collected the whole time, even though I would imagine he wasn't in his own head. But uh, he seemed to be very, very calm and collected the whole way around. I, th- I it think was great to see. It was great to play golf. I think he actually is that calm and and and, and relaxed in his own head. I think he, I think he actually what you see is what you get with him, which is fantastic. But like. He, I watched a lot of him that week. I would week. be delighted if that was the truth. I would be absolutely delighted if that was true. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking that he, he, he's got to be breaking it. But if he is, I'm, I'm an even bigger fan than I already am. He, he took out the bigger players. Like he beat David Michaluzzi, the um, Australian guy. He beat him in a very tight game. Yeah. Like, he held puts. He held a put in 18, and I think it was the quarter final against the either South African or Swede, if I remember rightly. Like. He was beaten, mm. and he pulled it out of fire and takes the match up nineteen. It's just like just yeah. top class. Like he just when the gun was put to his head, he, he came up with the answer. Like I was dead on. Like I was there the early evenings of the week, and like, there was great atmosphere around the club. And even late into the evenings, there was you know a couple hundred people, you know, hanging around eighteen there and around the club watching the final players come in. You know. But it was the first time, I think, in years, I think Mallow Golf Group definitely helped in the latter days, that I'd seen that volume of people at, like, a major amateur top event in Ireland. Maybe it's because I haven't been, you know, to, to many of them. But what's your opinion of that, in that you play in a lot of them most years, in terms of the awareness that there's such great golf around the corner from people with the next crop of Irish professional golfers playing in them, and your opinion on, on how to... Get more coverage of them. So, like, obviously, the crowd from Mallow was like, Jesus, I thought it was the last man would turn off the lights, sort of thing. There was everyone was there and it was fantastic, but it was a huge effort put in by the club. And like, I actually live in Pormarnock, I live in the village. And like, you got the weeks beforehand, there was friends of mine living in the area, like, well, what's this golf thing that's on? Like, they were in the schools, there was advertising boards put up in the, in the town, that there was massive kind of public awareness and people were like ringing me like what's this and who be playing on that and oh we hear your man Purcell is very good he's a chance what day is he playing like people that, that wouldn't know a golf club hit them in the ass were saying this to me and they were bringing their kids out to see it and they there was actually the club put in a huge effort and then in terms of the actual club members themselves there was huge coverage of events there was like there was corporate days there where you could bring out people would bring out clients for there was lunches in the club where you could have a you know, table of fifteen 
and there was solicitors, accountants, kind of professional firms bringing people to it to go and watch the golf because it was a big event. And the club made sure everyone knew it was a big event. And that got got bums and seats essentially. And it was it was great to see because like I remember the days when like you'd be getting the first and second round results from the like not the South or the Irish close beyond the Sky or non, not Sky Sports on uh, the radio bulletins on the sports on RTE. Now you wouldn't even know who the winner is. So like I don't think the the national media is doing us any favor. So it's up to the clubs and the event organizers to get out there and press the flesh and make sure people know. And the likes of yourself, Paddy, like people who are like kind of, I don't know, kind of, they kind of Easy not now. really mainstream. Yeah. They're kind of. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to get a word that the uh, the uh, the lads in No Lane Up use it for uh, their their marketing. But it's like you're doing a huge service here because they're like, what's going on? It's it's really high standard. Like we five lads in the walk a couple a couple of years ago. We're gonna have we have a handful of lads on tour in the next ten years. Everyone's gonna know who they are then. Like Dunner, I played into pros at Dunner. Like it was pretty much like the man his dog opens Lego watch us playing Interprose. Like only for the Sligo people there, no one would have known about it. Like and it, it's but these lads, like he's one on tour. Lowry's one on tour. McRoy Lowry's major winner, McRoy's a major winner. Like they're all playing in these things, the next one. I mean, we might have to find who which the next one is, but they're there. And I don't think we do really do each other's to do the country service of what's available in amateur golf. Brian Kyo for a long time was like kind of flying the flag for amateur golf and does an incredible job. Then there's likes of um, Carl McGinty, Darren McLeese. They always give it a plug when they can, but they're probably hamstrung by the major brands there. Like, no one wants to read about the South of Ireland on a Sunday and Darren McLeese article. They want to read about Seve or Nicholas or something, but bring it back. People deserve their bit of, bit of time in, in the limelight. Oh, absolutely. But it's the I'm coming from, like, I'm chasing to watch golf. And especially at a time when we can't see any of it, maybe when we do get back in the fairways, people are like, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to see as much golf as possible, especially like like the top, one of the top tournaments in the European Tour is the Irish Open. And, you know, we've, we've a pretty good, pretty good factory line of, of golfers coming through. So it's more about like there's over 300,000 registered golfers in the country. Do you know what I mean? So there is a massive interest yeah. in it. And it's more to, to tell everyone, like, you don't have to go to the Ryder Cups or the Opens every year. Like, there is top golf golf in some of the most beautiful locations in the country, you know, a couple hours drive away to even go see it on a Friday or a Saturday, you know. Um, yeah. That's more so, like, I, I'm chasing to go see it and I'm, I'm not looking to give it away. great like, places I'm, as well. Oh, massive. You can go to Lynch, Poor Rush, uh, Ross's Point, like, Baltray. Like, it's all kind of cool places down with the sea. Lovely walk if you don't want to go for a walk. She's a golf drummer on as well. Like just before we get into the Q and A, what's your outlook? You know, what are you, what are you looking to achieve? I don't know if there'll be a stop this year. We don't know. We'll go on the GOI guidelines and government guidelines and all that. But like worst case scenario, it's next year, right? So we'll go on next year. What are you looking to achieve? What's the outlook for yourself in golf and trying to mix work and family and everything? Just play. Just get some time to play. Enjoy it. Like I'm not going to be winning championships again. I'm fairly aware of that. But I don't know, maybe train with a mid-arm or something. I don't know, win a scratch cup, just compete. Jesus, like, if you never won again, but you get the buzz that you're in contention, that's what you're there for. You had Hazel Kavanaugh on last year, and Hazel yeah. said it, and she hit the nail on the head. Like, she said, you could be the, the it's not the Ryder Cup could be for the person that's off 36 handicap playing Challenge Cup, I think was her quote. But, like, it's whatever your level is, just get out and compete and get nervous and get the excitement and the adrenaline alone. That's, that's what golf is, like, and if you... Doesn't matter if it's senior cup, junior cup, 
Timmy Broom, whatever, just go play, enjoy it. Like there's a couple of things I've learned anyway from having the chats this evening. It's um, a, it's great to know that like Port Marnock are, are leading the charge in the resurrection of junior golf and they are doing loads of great things about it. What's the other one, Niall? What's your takeaway? We know where Lantern comes from. We already knew where Lantern came from. I think like that's the biggest one, just being able to being able to get like changing the name of, of what Port Marnock had, I think. I think what people see it as has changed over the years. And I think that's a credit to to the group of lads that they have there, like like John and Jeff and James and, and Connor Purcell and those guys coming through. The other thing that I take away from today is that I think more more like more clubs should be more receptive to those college groups and, and, and bringing them on through as members. I think especially kind of in, in, in the sense that there's a lot of country guys coming down and through and so that we don't lose them through the through the cracks. And having the crack. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. John, are we going to see you playing? Oh, are you going to play the South of Ireland next year? We're going to see the Lantern and the Hinge. I'd be like Barry Redden. I'll be going there until my handicap is too high to get in, and then I'll probably still stay going. It's going to piss instead. Good man. Like everybody who goes on the show, you're a soldier of quick fire QA. Right? It also signifies this at the end of the QA, you can go back to watching the Sopranos or reruns of The Wire, whatever you're doing in lockdown. All right, so are you ready? Come on, yeah. What was your walk on Song B Greener? Uh, shipping up to Boston, Ken Casey and the Dropkick Murphys. I used to listen to that before GA matches. How can, you, how can you hit the ball being so pumped up after listening to that? You can't, it's just more so. Um, I got to know Ken through golf and he's actually Ken Casey, the head, the head lead singer and lead uh, bassist in the Dropkick Murphys, massive rock band. He's played nearly the top 100 golf course in the world. Massive golfer. So I got to know him last while. It's a great tune. That's a smash tune. Jim or pizza? Pizza. Hat, visor, or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? <laughs> Definitely a hat, not a bucket hat. I tell you, the, the Port Marnock bucket hats are, you know, they're wearable. Ah, they are. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Happy Gilmore, actually, that was my mantra in the South. Just tap it in there. Oh, happy it, it <laughs> <laughs> Take all the gimmies you can take. Guinness or Heineken? Oh, Guinness, without doubt. This is a no-brainer. Le Hinch or Port Marnock? Port Marnock. Walk or cart? Walk every time. Win the Masters or win the Open? Open. The real golf tournament. Drive it 300 yards every time or never miss a 10-foot putt? 10-foot putt. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. Play or practice? Play. Come on yourself. Greener, Larentron, John Green, thank you very much for your time. Niall McGlynn, thank you very much. Nice of you to put the beer down. Paddy, thanks very much. Niall, good to speak as usual. No fear at all. When we all get back on the links, we'll have to go to Port Marnock. Absolutely. Welcome anytime you want. Stay safe, please. No, you don't have to come off mute if you want to actually, if you want us to hear you. Sorry, John. You too. Stay safe, <laughs> lad. And we're playing we're playing the links on your back. Yes. Good luck, boys. See That was John Green of Port Marnock Golf Club, start the Burnley winner in 2010, and with a couple of senior cups under his belt as well. Big thank you as well to my buddy Nine McGlynn of the GY Academy for helping me out in throwing John a few questions. If you have liked this longer than normal podcast, please do leave a review. Uh, and of course, as normal, share it with your family and friends. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy. Mm-hmm.